morning. Um, well, Ben's not here this morning because he is um, a pastor friend of ours needed somebody to teach this morning. So he went to Chino Valley this morning to preach there. We were going to co-teach this morning, but I said, all right, I'll do it. And you go help there. So he's there this morning. But this morning we're starting a new series all about relationships. So for the next four weeks, we are going to have some really fun speakers. So don't miss it. We're going to talk about marriage, family, and really just relates to any type of relationship. If you are living and breathing on this earth, you're in a relationship. Everything we do is about relationship. You know, I heard early on, find your people and you'll find your destiny. Our destiny is in people because God is in people. He lives in us. And so if we can do relationships well, everything else in life will flourish. But if we don't do relationships well, everything fails because everything's based on relationship, right? The greatest commandment is to love God and love one another. Like that is just what we're called to do. So let's pray this morning. God, we thank you that you are the father of relationship. You love relationship. You long relationship with us. And you do it so well. Holy Spirit, I ask you to teach us today how to do relationships. You would go deep into our heart. Lord, we don't just want head knowledge, like James says. We want heart transformation. We ask for revelation knowledge that goes deep in our hearts and makes our hearts big, full of truth, full of love to give out. And I pray for Ben this morning as he's at Chino Valley Family Church. Lord, we cover him as his church. I thank you that signs, wonders, and miracles will follow him as he teaches this morning. I pray, Lord, healing takes place in that service. Lord, that he would just articulate your heartbeat for that church. You would encourage that church. We bless Chino Valley and those pastors and those people. And Lord, that you would bring him home safely as he's traveling from up north. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so why is relationship so important? Well, you know, the entire world started with a marriage. God could have done it any, any way he wanted to, but it started with marriage and family. And the Bible started with marriage in Genesis, and it ends with the wedding. Did you know that? Revelations 19, the whole world will end with us as the bride of Christ, a wedding, and a family. So who thinks, God thinks, marriage and family is pretty important? Yeah, he loves it. He loves marriage. He loves family. He's brought us into a family. We are not born again into an institution or a building. It's a family. He loves family. So marriage is the most important relationship after our relationship with Jesus. Marriage is the most important relationship after our relationship with Jesus and then relationship with our family. Marriage and family make up society. Why is marriage and family so important? Because it makes up the society we live in. Society around us today is a direct reflection of our marriage and family. See, strong and healthy families fight for freedom. When the st family unit is strong, they will fight for freedom. 
because they're healthy, and healthy people know you thrive in freedom. That's how God works. That's why religion never works, because religion will bind people. But Jesus gives us freedom. He sets us free. And so when we're healthy in our homes, we know freedom. You know, why did the pilgrims come to America? Seeking freedom. You know, the number one way the um, Marxist, communist-type government wants to come in and take a nation, the, the first strategy is not to take over the government. You would think they'd just come and take over the government. The first way, there, there's been history books that just show, and it's the same way every time, when a, when a nation will fall within itself, they'll come against family. First marriage. They know that if we can break down marriage in the family unit, the whole nation will fall. Because strong and healthy families will stand for freedom and fight for freedom. So family is so important. Um, breaking down marriages will break down the family. And broken families break down society. And broken society longs for government control because they're out of control. But whole, healthy families change the world. We want to change the world. We just start with our family. Whole, healthy families will change the world. So the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about relationships. Don't miss it. Today, I'm going to be talking about wholeness, vision, and purpose. Okay, so how do we heal society? We start in our own home. And starting in our own home, we have to start with our own heart. Number one way, the best way to heal your family. Are you ready? The best way to heal your family is heal your own heart. You want to see your family whole? Start with you. Be the hero of your own heart by being vulnerable and allowing God to go to those deep-rooted wounds and heal them. You want to be a hero? Be the hero of your own heart by being vulnerable and let God do what he does best. You know, brokenheartedness is so easy for God. He came to set the captives free to heal the brokenhearted. He knows how to heal our hearts, but we have to allow him to. And I know that sometimes it seems very scary because you're thinking, I don't know everything in there, you know. I don't know what's going to come out, but he does, and he knows. And we have to allow him to go in places that we don't even know are there in our heart so we can get us healthy, so then we can be a healthy spouse and a healthy mom and a healthy dad and healthy in our community and healthy in our church and healthy in our business, and society will change. It starts with us. I mean, we can get a list of things that need to change. Well, if we just had a new president, if we just had a new this, if we had a new that, it starts with us. We are that powerful. Your family, you and your spouse, your family is that powerful to change the community around you if you get healthy. Okay, so Psalms 139, 23 and 24. I think Joelle's going to put it up there. Search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Try and know my thoughts. In verse 
24, it says, and see if there's any wicked or hurtful way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. In the New Living Translation, it says, um, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test and know my thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That's vulnerability. That is the bravest prayer you can pray over your heart because God is so good. He never shames us. He's not going to point out something in your life to shame you or degrade you. He's going to show you you're believing this lie and I've created you for more. When God points something out, it's because he's getting ready to upgrade us. And we can choose to stay in our wounds and our hurts, or we can choose upgrade. And like Nick always says, it's uncomfortable, right? It's uncomfortable. But it is the best thing for us and our family. The health of your family and relationships around you will rise to the level of health in your own heart. That's hard. <laughs> the health of your family and relationships will rise to the level of health in your own heart. If I want to see change in my husband, if I want to see change in my kids, if I want to see change in society, if I want to see change in my friendships, I just have to go to my own heart and I will see change. Because my kids, my mares will rise to the level of health in my own heart. And that's truth. And it makes it really easy because it gets pretty exhausting trying to find all the faults with people. It's not our job. I know we're experts at it. You are experts at finding the fault in our husbands or our wives and our kids. But we are called to be a blessing and bring the good news. That is not our job. We're called out the gold in our spouses, the good things in our spouses, the good things in our kids so they can rise to that level. Everybody already knows their inadequacies. We don't have to reiterate it. But we can go into our heart and change. Amen? Proverbs 38 it says, empty out of my heart everything that is false, every lie and every crooked thing. I'm going to stop right there. There's lies that have been sown into our heart even from birth. I was sharing on Wednesday morning Bible study, um, you know, when I was in my mom's womb. My mom was in a really bad situation. My parents are my heroes because I don't know of two people who came from a more broken home than what they were raised in. So broken. And they chose to heal their hearts. And I am so thankful. I am so thankful because, because of what they decided to do, they rose to a level that allowed us, we, there's four of us, to rise to that level. And every single one of us today, by the grace of God, married a, a believer serving God in ministry. They have 20 grandkids because they chose to heal their heart. There's no other way. There's no other way. They were so broken. And when my mom was pregnant with me, my dad was an alcoholic. She was not married. Her mom told her, you cannot come home. You abort that baby. She went to my dad. He was drunk like it was a bad situation. It was a bad situation. 
And it took one nurse to say, you know, there's a calling on that baby's life. Just a little hope. She just needed a little hope, and she held on. But what I'm saying is even in the womb was pretty negative over my life. There was just things. You know, there's teachers, there's people, there's your parents, I mean, that have just sown ugliness into your heart. There's lies. And, you know, the enemy uses people. We can say it's those people, but, you know, we don't fight against flesh and blood, right? But principalities in darkness that come against your heart. And we have to allow God to empty out everything that is false, every lie that we are believing to bring the truth in, right? And that's a bold prayer. I have seen the most transformation happen in my marriage when I stop trying to take the speck out of everybody's life and just focus on the big plank in my own. We all have them, you know. Like our spirit is born again, perfect righteousness of God, but it's housed in this soul, our mind, will, and emotion that is renewed by the word of God, you know, and we're being perfected. And I am so excited for the day when our soul becomes perfect too with Jesus Christ in a brand new body. But until then, we have to keep bringing the truth of the spirit into the soul and by renewing our mind with the word of God. Um, uh, when I was in Africa, I was a missionary in Africa before I met Ben. And um, there was this mountain that we would go preach on. It was Mount Elgon. And up there, it, it's really hard to get up and down because when it rains, the mud gets so thick. And so the community up on Mount Elgon just really don't have a lot of resources. One, it's like it's a whole day's journey to walk up there and down. And so they kind of stay up there. So they're kind of limited. So a lot of the kids do not have shoes in Mount Elgon. This is in Kenya. And we went to go help the kids. And there's a parasite called um, chiggers that get up into the kids' feet. It's a parasite, and it, it buries itself up there and then just starts infesting. And so I had come back from Kenya and told the church about it. And I said, let's go and help these kids. So a team of us went to Kenya and we gave them, you know, medical need and we preached and stuff. But we brought shoes for all the kids. But we had to first get out the chiggers because the kids just wanted us to put bandages on the feet and give them shoes. They just wanted the shoes. They just wanted the shoes. But we were trying to tell them, like, if we don't take out that parasite, the shoes are no good because your foot is, is, is going to disappear. It's going to, you know, be ruined. And so they did not, you had to dip the feet in kerosene and the kerosene pulled it out. It wasn't painful because the foot was so calloused. But I was thinking that is so much like believers. Just give me the promises. Give me the promises. I want abundant life. Let's not talk about the chiggers. Just put a Band-Aid over it. Give me those new shoes, God. And God's like, no. No, there's a better way. You can have new shoes with new feet that don't hurt. And a lot of us have chiggers in our heart that we're not allowing God to go deep in. And, And because we don't want to look at our heart, we want to point out everything else and everybody else's heart around us. And if they would change, everything would be different. But it's not true because you're still there and I'm still there. And it's true. So if you dedicate yourself to get whole, your family will get whole. And you and your family will have the power to transform your community. I watched my parents, and I want to tell you something. My parents were not perfect. They were broken, 
but they were willing and humble and vulnerable. They taught me how to be vulnerable. And I love that because they never taught us religion. They never taught us performance. But if you have an issue, let's bring it to the surface because God has an answer. And there was never shame on it. There needs to be a place where we can be real and vulnerable and say, I'm going through something. And everybody knows that what I'm going through is not the real Kara. They know who I am, right? Or they know who you are. And you're not going to be judged by it. And we can bring it to the surface because what the enemy loves to do is bring shame. That is the biggest weapon of the enemy. Hide, hide, secret, secret, shame, shame. It's the lowest form of vibration, right? And when I talk about vibration, I'm saying we all carry a light. We all carry an energy. We carry the Holy Spirit. And shame is the furthest thing from God's presence, right? Adam and Eve were in shame. And what do they do? Run and hide from God. And that happens in our lives when we have these secrets that we're keeping. And we just want to run in shame. And God's like, why? I have the answer. He already took care of it on the cross. It's already done. We just have to go to him and be vulnerable. There's so many resources. There's so many resources in this church. We have no excuse not to be healthy. If you don't want to get whole and healthy, it's 100% on you. And I'm just being real because there's so many powerful people. I mean, Nick, James and Kimberly, Michelle, Margarita, Ronnie, we have Sozo in the church. There's so many opportunities to get whole and healthy. Um, Jimmy Evans has a 21-day inner healing. I love this book. It's so powerful. There's, I just have so many resources. This is listening and inner healing prayer, meeting God in the broken places. There's so many resources to get whole and healthy. And you are not just doing it for you. You're doing it for your kids. You're doing it for the next generation. Okay, so number one way to heal your family is heal your own heart. And I want to say something. If you are not married, it is so much better to heal your heart before you get married. <laughs> Do it now. Do it now. You will attract what's in your heart. You know, I said your family will rise to the health of your heart. You will attract the spouse, not of your dreams, of your heart. What's in your heart? You know, sometimes we have these lists of what we want, and we're not even a fraction of what's on that list. Be the person first. Heal your heart. Get ready for the one God has for you. Okay, second way, and I'm going to get into vision and purpose. Because I want to talk about vision and purpose, but it's really hard to get vision and purpose when we're broken and hurting. Okay, so heal your own heart. If you want to know how, come to me. Come to people who are in, in doing prayer ministry. Go to the Nick. Go to James. Go to Ronnie. Go to Margarita. Margarita, raise your hand. There's so many people that can lead you into helping with inner healing. Okay, second way, vision and purpose. Vision for your life is one of the most important things you can do after healing your heart. Turn with me to Proverbs 29, 18. And I want to lead, uh, read out of the tra uh, Passion Translation. Proverbs 29, 18. Okay, I have 25 minutes. When there is no clear prophetic vision... And this is talking about a vision from God. People quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of God's word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. Vision gives us purpose. And without purpose, people live their lives in confusion and chaos. 
Vision is letting God tell you what is the purpose, what the purpose is for your life. And here's the thing. When you get married, God has a vision for your marriage. We all know that God has a vision for our lives, but we don't think like when you get married, now you're one and there's a vision that God has for your life. God has a vision, a calling, and a purpose for your marriage. And your marriage will not thrive until you know what that is. When Ben and I first got married, you know, my heart was, um, my heart was for Kenya. I was a missionary in Kenya, and we thought we were going to start the orphanage. And, and we really tried to go, and God just kept saying, it's not, not now, not now, not now. And the first couple of years where marriage, of marriage was a little rough, not because we didn't have a great marriage, but it's because we had no vision. We were like fish out of water on what we're supposed to do. And um, when you don't have vision, life is actually very empty and vain and selfish. And then you're, you're looking to each other to fulfill each other's needs. And, you know, when you first get into a relationship, God's just amazing how he created our bodies. But, you know, that infatuation is from the Lord. When you meet the one, the, the Bible says don't awaken your heart until it does, does uh, and don't awaken the heart until it desires, like until, it, until you should. I didn't say that well, but let me explain this. When you start falling in love, and that term falling in love is so real because when you start spending time with somebody, a lot of time, chemicals are released. Tons of chemicals released, and you form an infatuation. Like, this is where, like, you see, can see no wrong in the person. You guys remember that when you first got married? I used to tell Ben, you're practically perfect in every way. Like, I would always say that I was so enthralled with him. And that is so good, and it's amazing. This is why we have to have good boundaries in marriage, because if you spend too, too much time with somebody who's not your spouse, that will happen. And when that starts, there's no stopping it. Rationality leaves your mind, and the hormones take over. But it takes about two years for it to wear off. So most people who have an affair or leave their spouse, after two years, they're thinking, what the heck did I do? Because that wears off. So first couple of years is great. There's no vision. But after, you know, the infatuation started wearing off and I realized, wow, he's not perfect, <laughs> nor am I. <laughs> this is getting a little empty. <laughs> this is getting a little vain. There has to be more. You know that question, there has to be more? It's because... There is more. Covenant is so powerful, and what God can do with two in unity is so very powerful. But we have to look to God to get vision and purpose, and God is the only one. So when Ben and I started getting vision, and, and what happened was when I was single, and, and Ben too, when we were single, I would, at the start of the year, the first of the year, I would get my covenant girlfriends around me. We would go away, and we would pray and fast to see what God spoke over that year. And then, you know, God spoke and, and showed me, and I was thriving. And Ben did the same thing, but for some reason, when we got married, we just thought, ah, oh, we love God. We love each other. It's just going to be great. But we forgot to seek God about what he had called us to do. And we really thought it was Kenya and building the orphanage, and it wasn't. And because of that, we started 
just um, you know, striving. But when we got together, we're like, okay, there has to be more. Ben and I got together and said, okay, let's really see God. What has he called us to do? Because our life kind of turned upside down when we thought that that's what we were going to do. We started seeking God. We said, okay, God, we give you this year. What's our purpose? What's our calling? And God started speaking to us. And then all of a sudden, we went from surviving to thriving. And God wants us to thrive. And the purpose is, you know, we have such a short time on earth, and there's a lot to do. And we just don't have time to be selfish, <laughs> to be vain and empty. But God has so much more, and it's so fulfilling. And so when uh, two people love God and get a vision, wow. But without vision, there's chaos and disorder. You know, there's three types of communication, I'm going to tell you why this is so important. There's proactive communication, there's reactive communication, and there's radioactive communication. You guys, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Guess what happens when you and your spouse spend time every year in prayer and seeking God for vision of the year? It puts you in proactive communication. You seek God over your finances, vacations, over your kids, over your calling. God, what have you called us to do? When you get that and you're in line with each other and what God wants to do, you're unstoppable. It will be so fulfilling. And you have so much proactive communication that you have a lot more time for other fun things. Men, plan the year with your wife. You have a lot of extra time instead of being in that reactive and radioactive communication. Proactive, healthy communication. Two people, Amos 3.3, it says two people walking together. How can two people walk together and not uh, without agreeing on the direction? But this is happening in marriages and families today is that there's two visions and two heads and going two different directions, and they're not together. They're disconnected couples. And God wants um, us to be connected. You know, marriage is a partnership. It's not about one domineering the other. And that's not always the husband. Women, stop trying to control your man. You're not his mom, and stop nagging. That alone will help your marriage. Be that helpmate, that encourager. It's a partnership. It will equal say. You know, I, so many times I see the, the domineering, oppressive relationships, and you will not thrive that way. God didn't create us. He's not like that with us. He asks our opinion on things. Why would he do that? He knows best. Because he's not controlling or domineering. He's so loving and tender. Luke eleven seventeen says, A house divided cannot stand. A house divided against itself will fall. Two people in covenant agreeing on a word from God will transform the world. There is so much more for your family. So much more for your marriage. And if you're not married, God has a vision for your life. 
your kids still. God is now your partner. You know, when you're married, there's three. But, but it's a lot easier, just you and God. It's really less complicated, right? It's a lot more work when you have to work with another human. God has such a vision for your life, for your family. You will never be satisfied until you get the word of the Lord for your family. And it's specific. It's detailed. I'm, I'm telling you, if you seek God, you will hear him. I can hear you guys thinking, well, God won't speak. Are you joking? He's an excellent communicator. He knows how to speak so well. He knows your love language. He knows your communication language. He can articulate it. Well, you will know what God has called you to do. Um, I remember in our early on in our marriage, I'm going to give you this example because I just want to tell you how powerful unity is. When um, we have five kids, and Caden, my oldest, she was leading worship this morning, was born, and Abigail was born, and I was pregnant with Hannah. And we had three babies in three and a half years. See, I told you we didn't really have a plan. <laughs> we had a lot of extra time. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> We, wanted, we always wanted a lot of kids. Um, and Ben was working for a ministry, um, and he took this job in the ministry, and we didn't really agree on it or pray on it. It was just a, a reaction. Anyways, long story. Anyways, working for a ministry, and we find out. So this ministry was giving us a very small paycheck but was providing housing. Well, we had found out through the grapevine, and meaning somebody came and put a sticker on the house that it was in foreclosure, but this ministry did not tell us that. So here I am, seven months pregnant with my third baby, two little babies, and I'm thinking, my husband's not just about to lose his job, but his house. Like, okay. So we're like, what are we supposed to do? Well, at the same time, Ben's very, very favorite aunt was getting married in Cancun. And Ben is like, okay, we've got to go to Cancun. How can we go to Cancun? I'm thinking, what? <laughs> we need a house. You need a job. I don't care about Cancun. And, and this got pretty intense. So you know that radioactive communication? We're right there, okay? And we just were not seeing eye to eye. But we knew when you don't see eye to eye, don't make a decision and bring somebody in. So we brought some of our closest friends, you know, and it was two hours. Like, they hardly said a word. We just got to, you know, and, of course, so much more came out than just Cancun and the house. <laughs> they listened and listened and listened, and, you know, I'm like, just tell him he's wrong. Just tell him he's wrong. I'm like, we need a house. You know, because women need security, right? And Ben, he's just full of faith. It's not like he doesn't want to provide a house, but he's like, We'll come back, and don't worry. It will all work out. And I'm like, we'll be homeless, <laughs> you know. It's went to worse. Okay, and I'm pregnant, totally hormonal. So finally, after this, our friends, friends said, okay, like two hours. They were quiet. Why can't God do both? What? God's not that big. Why don't you guys start fighting for what's important in each other and see what God does? So, Kara, I want you to stop looking for a house. Stop finding your husband a job. And I want you to look for tickets to Cancun, and I want you to pray over that every day. Ben, 
I don't want you to look at tickets for Cancun or plan how to go. I want you to look for a job and find your wife a house. And let's see what God does. And I want you guys in unity. I want you to fight for what's important to each other. Ah, that was hard because the emotions weren't there. God, let us go to Cancun. (laughs) It was hard, right? But God did such a miracle because Ben found a great job. We found an amazing house in Val Vista Lakes. And we're like, "Um, we have no deposit. We have no money. He's like, don't even worry. I mean, like, we had so much favor. Ben had a job. We had a beautiful house. Then somebody at church comes up to Ben and said, hey, I work for an airline, and I just feel like if you ever want to take your family on vacation, I will give you free tickets. We got tickets to go to Cancun. This happened in two weeks. Tickets to go to Cancun, and Ben's grandpa called and said, hey, I got a condo in Cancun, but I can't stay there. Do you guys want it? Everything paid for. Then we got back from Cancun, $800 bills in an envelope in the mailbox waiting for us. So powerful. I mean, God taught us the biggest lesson. Unity is so powerful. Is God not big enough to do both? So now if Ben has an idea and I have an idea, we're like, God can do it all. And their idea and their idea. Now, our vision board every year doesn't even have anything for us personally. We are believing for miracles over every uh, other people because we just know how big God is. Unity is so powerful. A house divided will not stand. It doesn't matter who's right because in disunity, you're both wrong. Unity is so powerful. Okay, um, so you need to get together and see what God wants for you. And where there's a vision, there is provision. I knew I wanted to be, be a stay-at-home mom. I knew I was supposed to homeschool. When we got married, Ben didn't even have a work permit because he's from Mexico City. It didn't even look like it could be possible. But we believed. And we knew what God told us that I was going to stay home, raise my babies, homeschool my babies. And because God spoke that, there was provision. There was always provision for us to do what God has called us to do. Okay, so vision and purpose in marriage and also if you're single. Vision and purpose, number one, brings clarity and joy. Clarity and joy. You know, God brings light in darkness every single time. He is light. That is his job. He brings light into darkness. He removes confusion. You know, this identity crisis with young people, it's the issue of no vision, no purpose. Because when you have vision and purpose, there's clarity and there's joy that goes with it. Um, I'm going to read Proverbs again because I want to read it out of the um, New Living Translation. So, Proverbs 29:18 in the Passion Translation it says when people do not accept divine guidance they run wild but whoever obeys the law is happy whoever doesn't have a vision runs wild but when we know what God has called us to do when we're obeying the word of the Lord in our lives there's so much joy the Passion Translation said heavenly bliss fills our lives that supernatural joy. 
How can we expect our kids to get purpose and vision if we aren't setting the example ourselves? When, they, when our kids see us with purpose and vision and unity, they naturally just get purpose, vision, and unity. It's easy for them. We have so much expectations on our kids that we're not fulfilling in our lives. Truth? I mean, I know it's because our heart is we want best for our kids, you know? So we're like, go higher, go higher, go higher. But they will start at the level of our heart. Then they'll go higher. Okay, number two. Vision and purpose gives energy and passion. Go with me to Habakkuk. Habakkuk is small book right in the middle of the Bible. And I'm going to read Habakkuk 2, 1 through 4. Let me just explain Habakkuk real quick. Habakkuk was so frustrated with the nation, with the violence, with the evil, and what was going on in society. And he was like, God, when are you going to respond to this? God, what are you going to do? You know, he's real with God. And, and then God responds to Habakkuk. So this is, this is what is the response. Habakkuk 2, starting with verse 1, it says, I'll climb up into my watchtower now and wait to see what the Lord will say to me, and he will answer to my complaint. And the Lord said to me, write my answer in large, clear letters on a tablet, so that the runner can read it and tell everyone. But these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, Wait patiently, for a surely will take place. It will not delay. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves, and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. What is God saying? You've got to write down your vision. You can't just say, I hope one day that we do this. That will not happen. Good marriages are intentional. Visions are intentional. You have to write it down so you can see it. And then it says the runner can run with it. That is showing energy, passion. We're running in life. We're running with the calling that God has for us. A lot of people are half dead doing nothing because they're passionless. They have no energy because they have no vision. But God has a vision for your life. You get together, take time with your spouse, leave the kids. If you have babies, I understand that's harder. You have to work that out, maybe a, a day trip or something. Get alone with your spouse and pray, God, what is the vision for our marriage? What do you say over this year? Where do you want, to sow our, where do you want us to sow our seed? What do you want us to believe for? The righteous lives by faith. What do you want us to accomplish? What do you say about my finances? What's the calling on our kids? Tell me the prophetic word and destiny over my kids so all year long we will call it out. Pray over them. You will see transformation in your life, in your marriage. And, oh, there's nothing more attractive than your spouse and proactive communication doing what God has called you to do. It's exciting. It's fun. Number three, vision and purpose creates purity. It's really hard to get distracted with the enemy's schemes when you are running with, per, um, with purpose, passion, and joy. I want to tell you something. Your vision will 
overly satisfy your heart. Sometimes we think, oh, if I submit, submit to God, he's going to call me to do something terrible. Like, I don't want to be a missionary in Kenya. Good for you, Kara. That sounds like a nightmare. You won't. God will call you to do what you were created to do. You will thrive. You will be so happy. He knows how to satisfy you. He formed you in your mother's womb. Do not tell me he does not know how to satisfy the desires of your heart. He knows more than you. And when you get that, you are unstoppable. James has a powerful testimony. Are you on purpose and vision? Don't you wish that you heard that 20 years ago, 30 years ago? But God redeems everything. He's so good at redeeming. You can start today. God redeems all things. Jesus fulfilled everything in his destiny in three years. We got time. We got time. Visionless, visionless marriages give an open door to the enemy. Single people, how do you stay pure? Get a vision. Get a vision. Ask God, what, what do you want me to do this year, God? What are we going to do this year? What do you have for me? You, pre you protect your life from very, very dumb decisions when you have a vision. Anybody made really dumb decisions? <laughs> we have a big list of them, and God is so good at redeeming them. Okay, the fourth one. Vision brings unity. You know, in marriage, we have different roles and different talents, but the same goal. For Ben and I, we are called to build big people. That's what we're called to do. That's kind of like a big thing. And then we do that through teaching, counseling, worship leading. You know, there's so many ways. And Ben and I are so very different, but we have the same goal right? So it doesn't mean you and your spouse are exactly the same, but you have the same goal. And when we sit down every year, we plan out for our family, and then we plan for you. You know, this four-week marriage and relationship teaching was planned last year with the Lord in January or in December. We plan out the year. God, what do you have for our people? What have you called for our church? And we're planning, we have vision. We get the word of the Lord and what God wants to do with us. God, what guest speakers? Who do we need to hear from this year? We're not just living week to week. What are we going to do? You know, we did when we first started. <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> but now we get vision, right, so that we can thrive as a church. This is God's church. Me and Ben don't have the best ideas, but God's idea for us. He knows your heart. He knows your life. He knows what we need, right, collectively? Vision brings unity in your marriage. And I'm telling you, the enemy hates unity. He hates unity in marriage. He hates unity in family. And unity, does, unity doesn't mean we always believe the same. Let me just say that. It doesn't. You know, we can think differently, but unity means that we're going to honor one another and we have the same common goal. We love Jesus, right? We love Jesus. Make disciples. So I'm going to close in prayer. Stand with me this morning. I'm really excited about the next couple of weeks. 
please come because relationships are so very important. It will affect every part of your life. Number one way to see wholeness in your family is deep dive into your heart with God. He will not take you places you're not ready for. He is so gentle, so kind. And get a vision. I hope this is stirring up excitement for your marriage. And if you're single, get a vision for you and your kids. God can take you so much further than you ever think. God, we just thank you for your love over us, that you've called us into a family. Oh, it feels so secure that we are a part of an eternal family, that you have plans for us. I thank you that we are not called to figure out our life. Like so many people in the world are just trying to get it together, figuring out chaos. But you bring light into the darkness. You give a clear vision and purpose. You show us the way to go. Lord, you satisfy the longings of our heart and you're so good at it. You know what we were created for. This morning, God, I pray that you would heal the broken places of our heart. Supernatural healing, things that we've been holding on for way too long. We would trust you and let go. You are the only one that can heal. We cannot heal ourselves. Would you heal our hearts? Would you heal our marriages? Would you heal our family? Would you heal our society? Let the church rise up. Whole and healthy families will change the world. And we say we'll start with our own. I'm gonna get healthy, God. I'm gonna get whole. I'm gonna get the vision you have for me and I'm gonna thrive. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.